confused by finances, investing, estate, and retirement planning? Well, I went to school so you don't have to. Welcome to Finances And with Kathy and Jennifer. Welcome to Finances And Tiny Living. I'm Jennifer and I'm here with Kathy. So what's new with you this week? This week, my daughter had to move out of her apartment because the building is leaking. And so she was able to get a new place with the same management company and they are loving it. So that's been fun to see pictures and see what it's like. Have you ever lived in an apartment? I have lived in an apartment a couple of times, actually. Have you ever considered living in a tiny home? Actually, I have. And in fact, my last home was smaller than the apartment that we lived in prior to that. My last home was technically considered a small home, not a tiny home but a small home based on the square footage because it was less than a thousand square feet. So what are the requirements to be a small or a tiny home? A tiny home is typically between 100 and 400 square feet, whereas a small house is considered between 400 and a thousand square feet. So that's why my last home was less than a thousand square feet. But other than that, I've also considered buying or building a tiny home. Actually, we want to build it, building a tiny home and traveling the United States in it for a year. My favorite show on tiny houses is called Living Big in a Tiny House. It's on YouTube and it's just fantastic. He just travels around and he he has other people show off their tiny homes and show all the cool things that they've created in them. It's really fun. I know that although I have enjoyed watching the shows, I'm probably not too hip on living in a tiny home, but I have loved having RVs and could totally see myself living in an RV maybe what they call snowbirding, where you go somewhere warm in the winter and somewhere cooler in the summer. So I could I could probably see myself doing that. Uh-huh. Very nice. So then we thought, since we're calling this episode Tiny Living, Finances and Tiny Living, we thought we would talk about tiny homes and RVs for you guys today. Why do people go tiny? There are clearly some financial advantages that people consider when they want to go tiny. A lot of people go tiny because of environmental concerns. And there's also a huge desire for more time and more freedom. Other things to consider, though, besides those three big things, and they are very big things, are the idea that you won't have a mortgage or almost no debt whatsoever. That's obviously a big draw for people. The opportunity to actually live outdoors and enjoy the outdoors because you are literally outdoors because there's such a small bit of house around you. It's a lot easier to try and explore the country and take advantage of the national park system and having the opportunity to travel all the states. There's a simplicity to living in a very small place. You know, you have pretty much cleaned it the minute you've cleaned something because the the size of it. So vacuuming the whole building because the whole building is only less than a thousand square feet or less than 400 square feet. This is for people who really want experiences over belongings. They're looking to see, have life experiences over owning things. It is really a low cost option. The outlay initially for the home is going to be fairly small. I believe that they said anywhere between 10,000 and 80,000, maybe 100,000. Not that that's a very small number, but in general, it's not a huge number. And utilities are often included wherever you end up placing your home. And if not, we're talking $15 a month or so for water. It was an example that I saw. Some people want to live off the grid. So if you are actually able to create your own energy through solar, and then you're not having to pay for the electrical, 
This is also the kind of thing where people are super passionate, like Jennifer's example of the YouTuber. Passion is absolutely what they have. And so being able to share that with other people, that's part of the excitement and being part of that family, that group of people. Well, right off the bat, you're looking at a home that is priced significantly less than the cost of an average single family home. One average that I saw was 250. It absolutely depends on where you're looking and where you're living, what what the average price of a single family home will be. But tiny houses can be built, um, as Kathy said, for as little as 10,000 or even up to 100,000, depending on all the upgrades, the high-end finishes or materials that you might choose to put into it. With that cost, you might also have to buy a piece of land to put it on, or you might have to pay rent to park it somewhere if you don't have a place already or you don't have somebody that would let you park it on their land for free. You will save more money on your monthly utility expenses because your space will be so much smaller. You won't have a large property tax bill. And one of the biggest draws to tiny house living is saving money on your housing so you can use it to enjoy more life experiences, like Kathy mentioned earlier, instead of just collecting more stuff. Many people go tiny for that financial freedom that it brings so they don't have to worry about paying a large mortgage, but instead they can use that money to travel or they can donate it to their favorite causes or use it in other ways to live a more fulfilling life and get out of debt. So those are some of the big financial advantages that I think a lot of people people look for when they consider going tiny. Those are actually really great reasons for it. And again, just having that feeling of not owing somebody money and being able to do what you would like to do. Obviously, as young people becoming older, that's absolutely what we're looking to do. So I think that's a those are great reasons for it. There are some financial drawbacks, though, of going tiny. That is in that with a tiny house, you're not actually getting a mortgage. You're going to have to find some kind of alternative financing. You could actually get an RV loan or take out a personal loan or if it's it's a small enough and your credit card will allow you, you could actually put it on a credit card. Those, of course, are going to have higher interest rates and might also require a better score on your credit score than a mortgage loan would uh, require. You do need to consider, like Jen said, the land. Just saying I can get a tiny house for super cheap, but you can't find a place to put this house, that's going to be a problem. So you have to make sure that you know where it's going to go and that you're able to park it there either temporarily or, or for however much time you plan on being there. If you want your house to be completely mobile, you're going to have to pay rent to park it in various spots. So if you plan on moving around, you're basically paying for RV parks and using them as your stopover points. And so you're paying a a nightly rent to them, essentially. You might find yourself violating local housing laws and zoning laws, though, if they're not all tiny friendly. So again, you need to have a plan. You're not just going to build this and go off driving. You need to figure out where you're going to end up landing for a period of time because not all land is zoned for this. So even if somebody owns land, they might not be able to let you just put your house on it. Tiny homes on wheels are actually personal property and not real estate. And so like other personal property, like your cars or your RVs, they do depreciate over time. Where with real estate, like a home, on the other hand, that usually appreciates over time. You buy it at a certain price and you're able to sell it at a higher price. Even though you're paying less for your home in the beginning, you're not really investing in something that's going to gain value over time when you have a tiny house. It could, but it's not a a given that that's going to happen. You might very well have other plans for that tiny home once you decide you don't want it any longer. And we'll talk a little bit about that later, some options that you might have. They could be difficult to resell, though, because 
of their size, but also when you're choosing to build a tiny home, you're being very specific to have the most space in the area that's most important to you. So if you require or really want a larger living room, you're going to put you know a majority of your square footage to that living room. Or if you want a bathtub, all of a sudden your bathroom has become very big. And so where you have allocated the space inside your home is going to be very personal. And so it might make it harder to sell it than a more typical home or a more traditional home, I should say. It does also have no mortgage. And then the downside of that is because it's not a mortgage, you could not use the interest on your income tax in April when you're filing. If you're itemizing, you would not be able to deduct the interest on that where you can with the RV. Even though there are some drawbacks, we you know we we mentioned advantages and drawbacks. That's because if you're thinking about going tiny, then you really want to consider your long-term goals with this. How is going tiny going to help you achieve those goals? It could be that you choose to just go tiny for a time period. You're doing it to save money and then you use that to invest to purchase a larger home later when you can more readily afford it. But some people could really want to commit to the tiny living lifestyle because of the the other benefits that it brings may outweigh some of the financial drawbacks for you. You know, we're kind of we're giving you the advantages, the drawbacks, but it's really about your personal goals and what you need to achieve. And that's what you need to take into consideration. It's the same thing as whether you buy a house or you get an apartment. And I don't mean just the what I can afford today. It's how do you want to spend your money? Do you want to spend your money on a home or a large home? Or do you want to spend money on an apartment and save your money for other things? So that has a lot to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but purchasing a tiny home, there's more to consider. You're going to need to have a vehicle and either to tow it or just to have along with you because you're going to need a vehicle to get around. You're going to need to have some sort of a mail forwarding service or have your mail delivered to a friend or family so that they can help manage whatever mail is coming to you. This is the big thing is you're going to have to declutter. You're going to have to decide what is it that is most important to you that you can pare down. And as we said earlier, it's more about experiences than things. And living tiny is going to require you to get rid of things. You cannot have what you have in your apartment, even probably in in a tiny home. So you're going to have to really evaluate what it is that's important to you and what you want to take. Does it spark joy? Yes. Does it spark joy? Absolutely. I mean, honestly, that's very true. I, I definitely think of things when I'm making a decision. There's plenty of things that I want to get, but then I ask, you know, does it make me happy? Does it spark joy? Right. Her, her whole tagline. Yeah. You might want to even take classes and there are places that offer it either in the building of it or just so that you're aware of what sort of, what sort of, I started to say sacrifice, that might be the wrong word, but what expectations that you can make sure that you're meeting them and that that you're not going to be disappointed or get halfway down this road and realize it's not for you. So it's that's something to consider. So with that, I... As I was researching a lot of this, I found a story online of a family that very much regretted their tiny home decision because I think their biggest reason ended up being the builders they chose to build the tiny home because like you mentioned, taking classes. So they said that, you know, they did all the research and they had everything set up, but the builders, when they finished, it was like 5,000 pounds more than what they had originally said. And if it's, I don't know if we've said this or not, but if you're traveling around with your tiny house on a trailer, it has to meet weight requirements. 
it, it didn't pass that anymore. So they they had plans to travel around in this house and now they couldn't do that. And so they just had a, a horrible time with the builder, you know, take classes to figure out how to do this, take classes on everything that needs to be done on all the requirements and research big time your builder if you're having somebody else build it. <laughs> and another horror story that I found online was talking about people had gone to a tiny living expo and they went on the last day and they met somebody that was there um, that, that built tiny homes and they started the home for them and they got just the frame built and then they went out of business. So they had given all their money to this and now they literally just had a frame that they that was their frame, the outside of a home, but they had to end up building it themselves because their their money was gone with this person who was no longer actually in business. Wow. You know, obviously there are nightmares to every kind of a story that you can find, but those are just things that that sort of stuck with us too, just so that you're aware of them, right? You're going to need to also make sure that you are able to get hotspots for internet. This is going to be, if you plan on working, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but you're going to have to make sure that you either have a MiFi or some way of getting consistent internet service. You also are going to have to establish residency somewhere. So you need to look into where you're going to do that. Again, it might be that you do that in a state that doesn't have state taxes. That's a possibility, but you need to make sure that that you have considered what you're going to do for that. And of course, we already mentioned the financing, but you're going to need insurance for this home as well. And you're going to need to figure out where you're going to park it. So there are, in some cases, something called dispersed camping, and it allows you to park for free on undeveloped sections of certain federal land. So that's, again, something to look into. You're going to have to learn how to make needed repairs because especially if you are off on your own somewhere, there's not going to be someone to call to help with fixing a water heater or whatever types of things that you need. So you've got to be figuring that out. And then lastly, I found just through research that in general, it wasn't really great for families. It tended to be couples, single people and or retired people that once they started to have families, they realized that they were sort of outgrowing their tiny home. So again, just something to consider. Yeah, there are certainly people who have done it with families, but yes, it certainly seems like it would be better suited for couples or maybe even older people who are downsizing too. So if you are considering this as traveling in your tiny home, then you would probably need some sort of remote type of job to sustain yourself so that you can travel. And so that might be like maybe podcasting is your job that you're able to do on the road. Or I've seen a lot of YouTubers or travel bloggers who they document their travels on YouTube or their blog. And that's how they're actually paying for this lifestyle so that they they have this opportunity to travel. You know, you're also making me realize that, of course, with what's going on right now, there are so many jobs that can be done remotely um, that lots of companies are actually telling their workers, we don't want you to come in and we do not foresee asking you to come back in again. And so maybe that's the kind of new role in life that you can do that literally remotely, not just from your house down the street, that it's something you guys can consider that you want to make it a lifestyle change as well. If you're going to move your tiny home and this is assuming that that movement around the country is one of your plans, that you're not just buying a tiny home to put it somewhere, but you want to be able to move it around. You need to make sure just a couple of things to think about is that everything needs to be secured, including large appliances, because you don't want your stove or something else tipping over your whatever. You don't want a large appliance tipping over. Your cabinets need to be locked with maybe a zip tie or even childproof locking, but you need to make sure they're closed because if anything's going to come flying out, 
you know, you can damage your home, basically. You got to make sure also, and not necessarily something that you've considered unless you're moving it, but all of your sewer and your water and your electric, anything that's dangling underneath needs to be secured up and under the vehicle. And finally, just for aesthetic reasons, you may not actually have lights on the back of your house or tags on there, but you're going to have to make sure that you get them wired on, even as temporarily, if you're going to be moving it around. So again, just something else to consider. Other things to consider is that the tiny house, if it is 13 and a half feet tall by eight and a half feet wide by 40 feet long, it's not going to require a special permit to tow. So if you get any higher or wider or longer, you're going to have to get a special permit in many states. And so you're going to want to check that out if you've made it larger than those dimensions. That can be towed by a heavy-duty pickup if you've, again, met those requirements. But you're going to want to make sure that the hitch is appropriate because a ball hitch, which is pretty common on trucks, is possibly not going to be appropriate for a house. And so you might have to make sure that there's a gooseneck hitch on there. All of those things, if you're going to be buying a tiny house, you need to look into without much more explanation from us. But many states do have permits that are required. So you just have to figure out whatever your travel path is. Do those states require permits to move through there? Because they might consider it even a travel trailer or an RV or even a trailer mounted art sculpture and not require you to have any additional permits, but it's something you want to look out for. Also, you're going to want to look into, again, once you're moving, what's the wind going to be like as you're driving around? Because you don't want to risk your home to poor weather and and maybe getting caught in a windstorm of some kind. You might also have to actually rent a U-Haul to carry your belongings if you can't secure them down properly or you're worried about something in particular that could break. But the bottom line is you could also hire a mover that does everything for you. That's going to cut into your finances if you're paying somebody else to do all of these things. But it is a possibility if you've been saving for a while and living in one spot, that's just part of your plan is that someone else does the moving for you. So what do you do when you're done with it? If your plan is to only have a tiny home for a certain amount of time, then at some point you're going to need to get rid of it or do something else with it. So if you want to continue to use it as an asset, you could potentially rent out the tiny home. You could be living in a single family home again, and then you could rent out the tiny home or you could Airbnb it. There is the possibility to be able to sell your tiny home. But as we mentioned earlier, it's probably going to be more difficult to sell because so many people want to tailor tiny homes to fit their specific needs. And so if you've done the same thing with yours, it might be more difficult to sell. Conversely, an RV, a recreational vehicle gives you that same tiny footprint, but in general, it is built to be moved. So it has been created by a company that is planning on having you move this around. There are different kinds of RVs. There is a class A, which is that big bus There's also a class B, which is sort of like those Amazon's new vans. Have you seen those? Yeah, they're new delivery vans. Yeah. Yeah. So you can consider it like a super van, like an Econo line van, but super sized a little bit. A type C RV is more like a moving van. It has what you call a cab over. There's literally a bed over the cab of this. And again, it sort of looks like a U-Haul truck if I have to make it look like something. You can also get something that is pulled by something else. So again, that heavy duty truck might pull a travel trailer or something called a fifth wheel. And Again, those are easily moved. They are built to be moved around. And it's, 
you can live in it full time if you would like, but you can also just use it as a, a vacation sort of vehicle. So if you're choosing to you know, live in one of these vehicles for a certain amount of time, then there might be some things that you can't fit in the home, but you don't want to get rid of them yet. What do you do then? One possibility would be to rent, rent a storage unit. And so that's something that you're going to have to pay a monthly fee on. And actually, I've heard some people say like, <laughs> if you decide to do that and then you travel for a long time, you're probably not going to want that stuff when you come back. But hey, <laughs> you, you each have to figure that out. You might want to put some things in a storage unit or you might have a friend or family member who wants to keep all of your stuff for you. Yeah, because parents love to keep your old crap. That's one of their favorite things to do. So yeah. I would ask that. <laughs> but the reality is you're going to have to figure out if you're getting rid of everything or if you're going to try and store it somewhere. And that is a part of the cost if you're having to pay for a company to hold it for you. RV financing, though, unlike tiny homes is considered a mortgage. You can use the interest rate that you're paying because you can consider this as a second home or even your primary home, and you can deduct that interest rate off of your taxes if you are itemizing. And like a home, you're going to have to put a down payment down when you're purchasing an RV, maybe 10 to 20% depends on the RV place. They now, because RVs are getting so expensive, they now offer mortgages or loans, I should say, for up to 20 years on an RV. So that makes your monthly payments fairly low. And if with your interest rates at around 4 to 11%, though, you're still going to be paying far more than you would buying a, a home in terms of mortgage rate. But you're probably borrowing a lot less. So just a trade-off in that way. And that 4 to 11 is if you have a good credit score. But if your credit score is less than 780, you're probably going to be paying more in interest than what we're talking about here. There's two different kinds of loans, though, you could get. You could get an unsecured loan. And the benefit to an unsecured loan is if for some reason, if you can't make payments, they cannot come and repossess your home, your RV. But if you get a secured loan, you're probably going to get a secured loan like a vehicle loan, you're probably going to get lower interest rates. So obviously you're not buying this hoping or even considering that it might be repossessed or you won't be able to make payments, but just be aware that there are different kinds of loans have different kinds of repercussions. And like buying a home, you want to compare loan lenders and you do want to negotiate the price of the RV. This is something just like a home you can negotiate and you can go back and forth on. You will need to have insurance on this as well. And because it's claimed, as I said, as your secondary or primary home, you're going to be able to take those taxes on it as well. Well, I'm just thinking that, I mean, there's there's so much that I love about the idea of living in a tiny home for at least like a short amount of time. But just if anybody is thinking about it, just make sure you do all of the research because there's so much that goes into it and so many decisions that need to be made. Something like this, if you decide to make a lifestyle change, but I really like the idea of it. I agree with you. Like I said, although I don't see myself in a tiny home, as funny as that is, I totally can see myself in an RV. And I don't know the difference or why my mind thinks that. I guess I feel like it is just more mobile. That's just my sense, possibly. Mm -hmm. And so I, don't, I wouldn't be tied down to a small space somewhere. But in either case, they're essentially the same square footage and very, very similar kind of rules and, and things to think about. Well, thanks for listening to Finances and Tiny Living. We know you chose to listen and we're grateful. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share and consider leaving a review because it helps bring financial education to others and lets them find us more easily. By the way, thank you. We've had our 2000th download just recently and we very much appreciate that. Please let us know what questions you'd like answered on our Facebook page at Finances and or by going to our website at financesand.net. 
You can now find infographics on all of these topics on our website or right here in the show notes. Finances and does not provide tax or legal advice and nothing in this podcast is to be construed as such. Always consult a tax accounting or legal professional for advice on your specific situation. Remember, I went to school so you don't have to.